Welcome to 2012 Southridge Edition. How's that? I'm Pastor Troy. I want to welcome you. If you're here for the very first time, uh, we think you're at the right place. Uh, we think that God has a great plan for your life and that hopefully uh, somehow your experience with us this morning would uh, make that become more clear and you would get a little bit better idea of what God wants to accomplish in you and through you. Now today is a, a, a special day. Uh, last week we cooked, kicked off this series with Brent. It's called New. It's simply uh, a, a new year, a, a new idea, a new attitude. All the anything you can put new with it. That's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, but today is a day that we talk about vision for our church and for Southridge and where we're going, where we've been, and what that means. Uh, we're going to talk specifically about. Uh, some of the things that I think God is speaking to us as, as a church and what that means. And so hopefully, no matter where you're at, you can connect with this. I mean, obviously, it's a little bit more in-house, but if you're here and you're visiting, I think it's going to apply as well. How many of you have made uh, New Year's resolutions already? A couple of you, all right. How many of you that had, you've already broken those New Year's resolutions? Yeah, all right. How many of you could, you could care less? All right, okay. Well, Lord, I pray that you would help people to care. <laughs> no. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because when you start a new year, a lot of times the, the first thing you think about is just kind of what this year is going to look like, what's, what's going to happen, right? Uh, how it's going to play, it, play itself out. Uh, and, and more specifically about our own lives. I, I don't know about you, but it seems like every year when I kind of get to the end of December and the first part of January, I begin to reflect upon where I've been and where I'm going and, and what I'm going to become maybe this year. And I mean, and I, I, a lot of times I do it for a couple things. Obviously, as a pastor, I do it for us as a church. And then as a person, individual, I do it for myself every year. I, I continually ask myself, Lord, what do you want to do in me and through me? What, what do you want to accomplish? And so hopefully today as we talk about some of these things, we can figure out what that means. And so I think it's important that we do this. Um, everybody loves something new, right? I mean, we love new places. We love new clothes. Some of us love new socks every day. <laughs> yeah. By the way, some of you don't know, we had a thing back in August where somebody had a great idea. I think it was a God idea that they would give me 500 pair of socks. And so I've been wearing a new pair of socks every day for the last, who knows how long, whatever that is. And uh, Troy, my son, he enjoys it as well because I only wear them once and then he gets them. He's like, dude, this is great, man. I, it's like, I, anyway. So, but uh, new places, new socks, new cars, we all like something new. But today I want to talk about Jesus doing something new in us. And, and it, really that's the heartbeat of God, that God wants to do something new in each one of us. Matter of fact, Jesus came for the express reason of doing a new work in creation. In other words, he came to bring new life, create a new heart, to do all these new things in us. I mean, that's the very reason Jesus came. I mean, he's, it's, it's a very powerful reason, and when you kind of unpack it, it becomes very personal, it becomes very real, and it's meaningful. There's a verse that we're using as our text. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and it simply reads like this. Anyone, anyone who belongs to Christ, and the, the idea behind belonging is actually if you're connected or you're united, in other words, you, you're one with, if you're one with Christ, anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. 
In other words, you're, you're no longer what you used to be. You're no longer what you once were. You are a new person. Radically changed, transformed, different. You are new. And then it goes on, and, and this little phrase is really important here. The past is forgotten. The past is forgotten, and everything is new. And here's the simple point. The simple point for the text is this, is that Jesus makes all things new. That's what he does. I mean, and here's what happened. Uh, Last August, I was uh, at a a conference in Phoenix, and and somebody was talking about this one verse, this one phrase, and they began to talk about it, and they kind of went a different direction. And as they were talking, the only thing I could think about was doing this series because I knew that this was so critical to us as a church that we would understand that in Jesus, all things become new. Everything becomes new. And so to try to unpack that over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to do. And obviously, here's the big question that comes right away out of this is, so what's new? I mean, if he makes everything new, what exactly is new in us and through us, and what's that mean? And and if belonging to Christ, I I am no longer what I used to be, then what is new? And and like I already said, Brent did a great job. Good job, Brent, speaking last week if you were here. Didn't he do a great job? And... uh, he, he opened up this series and talked about how uh, it's a new path, it's, it's a new course, if you will. And, and that's incredibly important that, that we understand that. But if you do a quick word study of the word new in the Bible, I mean, I just encourage you to go look at all the words where it's found, where it says new, and, and you'll find things like, you know, that God makes new, things like a new person. God makes people new. He makes a new creation. You know, meaning he, he creates something new out of the oldness of who we are. He, uh, he creates a new heart. Matter of fact, that's probably one of the things we're going to talk about over the next couple weeks is what it means to have a new heart, a new mind, where he actually creates a new thought process where, where we think differently and we think accurately and we think truthfully that there's this newness about our thought life and our mind and, and the way we go through how we interact with that, a new nature, you know, instead of being that uh, good for nothing. We're good for something, you know, kind of thing. I mean, he does that newness in our nature. He changes that. There's, there's an idea, and I love this one. It's a new song. So I made a song for you. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. anyway, you guys are like, oh, no, man, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Uh, but a, a new song, uh, you know, which is really an interesting one because a new song means that there's a, there's a sense of joy and peace and excitement about where I'm at in life. That's what that means. I love that concept, just that God would give me a new song. And I hope for some of you this year that 2012 is the year that you have a new song. You just have a new song. It's like God done this in my heart, and now I'm singing a new song. I got something new in my life, and it's happened. There's, there's a new heaven later on, a new earth that's, that's going to happen. There's, there's a new spirit. There's a new relationship. I mean, there's all kinds of things that Scripture describes as God making new. That's what he does. Everything is new in Jesus and when I belong to Jesus, several things become new in my life. Things like I have a new purpose. All of a sudden, I'm with, maybe I was without purpose. Now I have an incredible purpose because it's new. God does that new thing. I, I have new direction. All of a sudden now, I, I, I kind of got, got an idea where I'm going, and, and, and it makes sense. It all kind of comes together. I have a new direction. And, and here's one that we're probably going to talk about is I have a new boss. <laughs> like, whoa, I don't know if I want to do that one. 
It has to do with authority. In other words, when I get to the plate where I realize that God is doing something new in me, now I have a new authority over my life. In other words, it used to be I was in control and I was the one calling all the shots, but now I have a new authority in Jesus, and he's the boss, and it's a good thing. And so I belong to Christ, and he's over me. I have a new attitude. But today I want to talk about having a new vision, having a new vision. In other words, I see things differently. I, I, I see things maybe for the first time. I see them in a way I've never seen them before. Maybe, maybe that's what needs to happen. I, I know for a lot of us, it's, it's hard to see things, you know, just to see them for what they are. And, and really, the question we've got to ask then is, what do you see? What do you see? I mean, when you look at your life or you look at your situation and you look maybe 12 months down the road to 2013, what do you see? The same? I mean, anything different? Is it, is it the same old, same old, just kind of going through the motions, doing what you've always done? Or do you see something radically different? Is there something significant out there and you can see it? How about five years down the road? Do you see something, man, in five years I can see this? Or do you like, you know, I don't really care. You're kind of going back to my first question, do you even care? But what do you see? Because really, God wants to give us this new vision, this new idea. But for so many of us, and I, and I hate to say this, but it's so true. For so many of us, what happens is we don't see anything. We're just stuck in a rut. We're just stuck in that deep crevice that we can't seem to get out of. We're just kind of going through the motions, and, and it's just like the same old, same old, and nothing really changes. I'm the same person I was last year and the year before, and it's the same garbage and the same mess and the same blah, 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 blah. Nothing changes. And we're just stuck in a rut. Part of getting out of the rut is understanding that I need to have a new vision. I need to see myself somewhere else. <laughs> I need to see that God wants to do something new in me. And part of that is seeing that for the first time. Nothing new. And, and our text makes a really interesting point about this whole idea. And here's what it says. Again, anyone who belongs to Christ is a new person. The past is forgotten and everything is new. And here's what the text is really saying. is Without the work of Jesus in our lives, we're stuck in the old. Without the work of Jesus in my life, the, the work that he did on the cross, the powerful work that he did on the cross that when applied to my life, without that work, I'm stuck in the old. That's just what it is. I mean, it doesn't matter what, how I paint it or how I shape it. I'm just stuck in the old. And the past represents a lot of things. It represents things like old attitudes, you know. Maybe it's a critical attitude. Maybe it's a judgmental attitude. Maybe it's a pessimistic attitude. Maybe it's a it'll never work attitude. Whatever. You just got an old attitude. Maybe in the past represents things like old desires. You, it's all about uh, you know a party lifestyle, or it's all about me. It's all about getting stuff. It's all about that. And so it's these old desires that seem to dominate. That's the only thing I can see. That's what the past represents, or, or old purposes. You know, my only purpose was to do whatever I want to do or make somebody see me or whatever it might be. I mean, you could plug and insert whatever you're facing. Or even getting a little bit more specific, old sins, old choices that I've made over the last year or the last 10 years or the last 20 years, how, wherever you're at, you, you realize that the past represents all the stupid in my life. And I'm going, okay. I get it. And Jesus is saying, I'm coming, and I, if you belong to me, and you're united me with me, and you're connected with me, those things, 
that you've been controlled by and in a rut with for so long, I can make this. I can change that. That's what he does. All things become new in Christ Jesus. Now the question, here's some questions. What, what new things does God want to do in you this year? What does he want to do in you? What does he want to do? Ever thought about that? Maybe you've never thought about it. What does he want to do? I mean, obviously, it's great that you're here today. You're, you're here in church, and you're, maybe you're here for the first time, and you're like, man, God's, uh, okay, but what does he want to do new in you? What's he want to accomplish in you? What part of your past needs to be forgotten? What's that one thing that just seems to always hang you up? What's that one thing that seems to just catch you all the time? That one thing you just can't seem to get over, and every time you start getting down the path, it grabs a hold of you and pulls you right back, and it just doesn't seem to change. What's that one thing? Maybe this year's the year that God gets a hold of that and changes that in your life. Um, are, are you still doing life the same way, hoping that somehow it'll turn out differently? You know, that's the definition for stupid and insane. You know that, don't you? That was a joke. You've got to be quick here. Come on. So, are you tired? Are you just tired of being the same old person? Just being the same old place and doing the same thing. And the bottom line, the bottom line, the bottom line is Jesus is the catalyst for everything that is really new. And many times it starts with a new vision. In other words, I begin to see things differently. I begin to understand things clearly. And I see things for what they really are. Now, there's a few things I just want to throw out just to kind of build a, as a foundation because really what I want to talk about as a vision for us as a church, what I think God is saying and speaking to us today. And so, so what's vision effect, all right? What's a new vision effect? Let me just give you real quickly what it affects. A new vision will change your, your direction. That's what it'll do. In other words, you, you're going to go in a different direction. You, once you get a vision from God and Jesus becomes part of your life, it becomes your life because you're belonging, you're connected with him in a big way. All of a sudden, the direction of your life changes. The story that Brent started off with last week was the story of Paul along the road to Damascus, and he literally was a hater of Christianity. But when he had an encounter with Jesus, all of a sudden, and it's kind of an interesting story because he actually became blind in the process, and then his eyes were reopened, vision, and he was totally on a different direction when that happened. He went from being a, God, a, a Christian hater to a Jesus lover. He went from being Saul to Paul. Something changed in him, and what changed in him was the direction of his life. It wasn't going the same way. And see, vision will change the direction of life. Your purpose will be different. Second one is this. A new vision will guide your decisions. See, when you get a vision from Jesus and everything becomes new and everything revolves itself around this idea that Jesus has created something new in me and he's doing something new through me, all of a sudden it affects every decision you make because it guides you, it controls your decision-making processes. If it doesn't, then something's not right. I'm not connected. I'm not in that place where God wants me to be. And there's a scripture that says in Acts 20, this is Paul speaking, he said, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. In other words, he understood that once he came into this new vision, this new idea that God was doing, he had a responsibility that he could not ignore. And see, that's when all of a sudden the, that vision gets a hold of you, realize it because the responsibility grips you. You can't get away from it. I can't blow this off because I'm caught by a vision from God. 
The third one is, is simply this. It says a new vision will determine your destination. And the text there is, is really describing the, this idea that I'm shooting after a prize, a goal. And the prize and the goal is that I be with Christ in heaven forever. I mean, in other words, there's a big idea here. There's a big destination that we're all hopefully heading towards. And when I get a vision, I get that. And so simply, it's a new vision will change your direction. It will determine, uh, guide your decisions, and it will determine your destination. So that's just kind of a foundation to understand vision, what it does to you. But I want to flip the, the, the page here, so to speak. What about us? When I say us, what about us as a church? What about us as individuals in this corporate setting? And you're like, I don't know. I mean, and here's, here's what happens. Every, every year I usually take and I, I spend some time just getting away to pray and, and say, God, what do you want to do in Southridge? What do you want to do in us and through us? I literally wrote that on my piece of paper and, and just said, what do you want to do in us? What do you want to do through us? What do you want to do? And I listen. I mean, I just listen. I mean, I, and I'm not standing up here saying I've got this, you know, inside track to God. I'm just like you. I'm just listening, trying to hear God's voice, trying to understand what he wants to do. I mean, realizing that I'm in a place as a, as a leader in this church that I've got to maybe at some point hear and hopefully God would say what he wants to do. And so as I listen, I look, what, what's your vision for us? What, what do we need? And, and I realize right away that without a vision, it's pretty critical it's critical because things like it says in the old testament it says without a vision people anybody know the answer perish in other words without a vision people aren't productive people aren't fruitful people aren't effective in in other words if i don't have this vision in my life then really what happens is eventually i just die and so as a church that becomes part of it too here's another thing is that without a vision we get lost I don't know about you, but getting lost is one of the most frustrating things in the world, right? Just driving around in circles, you think you know where you're at, but you don't know where you're at, you know? If you've said this before, I have no idea where I'm at right now. You, you totally understand what I'm talking about. I'm just looking around and saying, nope, nobody gets lost in here. You let her, you're all liars. <laughs> but we, you know, we just, we get lost. Another part of that is it's so critical and so important is that we tend to settle down where we don't belong. And that's an Old Testament concept because what happened was with the Israelites, they, many times what happened is that they, God would set them on a course. He said, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to be. This is who I want you to be. And what happens is they would lose their vision. They would, they would lose sight of where God wanted them to be, and they would lose sight of what God wanted them to become and all these kind of things, and they would settle. And when they would settle, they would get involved in things they weren't supposed to be involved in. And when they would settle, they would quit being effective like they were supposed to be effective. I mean, all the ugly, stupid stuff happened when they would settle. And so it's really critical and important that we get a hold of this. Now, the flip side of that is this thought. Is that I think we as a church, Southridge Church, we're on the verge of something really, really cool. I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, this last few months I've had these, and I don't know what to call them, but this, these encounters if you will with God and God showing up and, and speaking into my heart and into my life and into my mind and all those kind of things of just this idea that he wants to do something significant through us I mean I think it's really cool that you're here today I think it's really cool that we have to have two services and I think it's really cool that we had a Christmas Eve service where we had 500 people attend that's really cool Go, come on let's give it up for that that's just exciting that's really cool but I don't know that that's what it's, that's the end. I don't know if that's 
where it's all at. And, and I thought about, you know, some other things about what's going on. You know, we've been going just to about six years. This Easter will be six years. You know, amazing things have happened. You know, I just mentioned the Christmas Eve thing. You know, we, we broke this barrier. There's, there's a lot of barriers when you grow and you try to be a church, and there's like the 200 barrier, and there's 250 barrier, 350 barriers. I, I think guys just make up the barriers so they can write books, and well, I'd buy them. That's, but anyway. But uh, so, so we, we, on several occasions, four different occasions this year, broke 400 Let me help you guys, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, we, so, I mean, uh, it's like sometimes I'm sitting around and I go, where do these people come from, you know? What's happening? God's doing something. God's just doing something in our midst. I mean, this year, our average attendance increased by 75 people from last year. I mean, yep. <laughs> now you're getting it. This is kind of fun now, isn't it? Okay, here we go. We paid off over $85,000 towards our land. Man, now you guys are getting it. Okay, here we go, here we go. Let's see. We had our first ever encounter retreat with over 100 people showing up. We had over 150, upwards to 200 people involved in life groups throughout the year. We did our first ever women's retreat. We gave over $20,000 to missions. We sent our first foreign missions team to Jamaica and they never came back. No, they came back. They're here. <laughs> I mean, it's been cool. We've seen some cool stuff happen. I mean, we really have. I mean, it's been amazing, but I don't know that God's done yet. I don't know what God's done yet. I mean, I think he wants to do something significantly more in our lives and in us. I think he wants to challenge us. I think he wants to change us. And so that's when I go back again to, to just praying and saying, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And there's a few things I think, and this is, I mean, I, and again, I'm not trying to say I'm like some inside, I got God on the corner kind of deal. I'm just thinking this is what God is saying to us. And I mean, and what I do is I go and pray and, and just try to listen. And there's a few things. And here's God's vision for us, I think. Here's, here's what I think he wants to do in us this year. First one I think is he wants to do is prepare us to turn the corner. To turn the corner. Not in a bad way, not, in a, not in like we've been going the wrong way, but to turn the corner. In other words, to find a new thing that he's doing in us. Now, for some of you and for where you're at in life, if you, if you apply that personally, God wants you to make a radical turn in your life. In other words, you've been going the wrong direction for a long time, and now it's time to make a 180 turn and actually go in a totally different direction after God, a new thing. That's, that's a whole other conversation. We'll talk about that later. But for us as a church, I think it's the idea that we would turn the corner and that we would a couple things, and this is what this means is that we would anticipate change. We would anticipate it. We, we would look for it. We would, we would expect it. We would, we would not settle in where we're at, but instead we'd say, hey, we're looking for adjustments that God has wanted to do in us and through us. 
That we wouldn't be satisfied with where we're at, but instead we'd say, God, you want to take us to a new place. And part of that new place is understand that we've got to prepare to turn the corner, anticipate change. See, the only constant is change, and, and we can't choose whether change will come. The only thing we can do is either embrace it or resist it. I want to embrace it. I want to embrace what God's going to do. I want to embrace what he's about to do in us and through us as a church. I want to be a part of that. And so embracing it is part of what he wants us to do. You know, I, I tell people this all the time. The only constant that you'll find around here is that we are constantly experimenting what works and doesn't work. That's what we're doing. Everything we do is an experiment. We did Christmas Eve as an experiment. We came back and said, did that work? Do we want to do it again? You know, we might do it again and go, oh, didn't work this time. Let's see if we can do something else. We just constantly do that. Why? Because it isn't about the traditions. It's about being effective for our king. And so sometimes you've got to anticipate change and understand you can't settle. You've got to commit to being open to a new direction for our lives and for our church. It's being ready and willing to make adjustments. There's a text in Isaiah that says, See the former things have taken place and new things I declare before they spring into being. In other words, you've kind of got this idea that God's doing something. I'm ready for whatever God's going to do. And I think that's a big thing of what God wants to do here is that we need to come to Southridge and everything that we're part of in Southridge and say we're expecting God to do something. We're looking for God to do something. And then he will. I think he will because he's just waiting for people to expect and anticipate him moving. The second part of that, so anticipate change, the second part is grip tightly. If, if change is going to happen in my life, it's not going to happen because of me, but it's going to happen because I have trusted and had faith in Jesus Christ. Again, everything is made new by who? Jesus. It isn't made new by me. It isn't, it isn't made new by you. I can't will this thing. I can't stir it up. I can't make it happen. I've got to grip tightly to the only person that can really bring something new in my life. And that's Jesus. And see, for us, I think that's what God is calling us to. I think that's what he has as a vision for us, is that we would anticipate change, that we would grip tightly, and that Jesus would be the person that is allowed to make all things new in me. Now, here's a little side note on this. If I'm going to be a part of what God is doing, I can't have a casual, kind of, maybe approach to what God's doing. That's when I just, I just stepped on your toes and you didn't even know it. Can't have a kind of, casual, maybe approach to what God is doing. In other words, I, I can't kind of be committed. I can't maybe be available. I, I, it's not sometimes. It's, Lord, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. I'm, I'm ready. I'm anticipating. I'm gripping tightly. I'm holding on. I'm looking forward to what you're doing. Because if we're going to be what God created us to be as a church, we've got to grip tightly. We've got to come into that curve knowing the curve is coming, and we're holding on, and we want to be a part of what God is doing and where he's going. Grip tightly. Second thing is this. It's to develop fully as a follower of Christ. To develop fully as a follower of Christ. And let me give, you to, give it to you in a little simpler phrase, to grow up. We've got to grow up. Here's the deal. We can't go anywhere as a church until some of us who know what it means to be a follower of Christ actually commit ourselves to being a follower of Christ. That's growing up. That's being mature. You're acting on what you know. You, you, you know what it means to give your life to Christ, but yet you're out there doing whatever. That's immature. <laughs> Maturity says, God, I give myself fully 
to being a follower of Christ. And I'm going to grow up. I'm going to mature. It's to give ourselves fully to God. Because here's the point. God doesn't want us to be a half mile wide and a quarter inch deep. God doesn't want us to have 10,000 people and have this much depth to who we are as a church. God wants us to have 10,000 people and have depth because we're fully devoted followers of Christ. I'm committed to being mature. I'm not committed to just going to church. I'm committed to being a follower of Jesus. And so that means it affects my life. It affects my decisions. And again, the vision, direction, destination, decisions, all those things play into that. His vision is, is for us is to be complete mature. Mature means a living relationship with God that produces lasting spiritual results. Here's the deal. Our ability to have effect, if you will, on a community only comes from maturity. We can't get there any other way. We, 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 we can't make it, uh, you know, have some fancy smancy thing going on here and, oh, wow, that's all cool. It happens because there is spiritual depth in our midst. And the only way I get spiritual depth in, my, in our midst is I commit myself fully to being a follower of Christ. Now, kind of. And I think that's what God is wanting to say. There's a couple of scriptures that go with that. It's Luke 18, 14. It says, Jesus speaking, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go their way, uh, go their way, they are choked by life's worries, life's riches and pleasures, and they do not, what's it say? Mature. So here, here's the point that comes from that. Maturity emerges from commitment, not convenience. So the point I want to make today is this, is I believe God is calling us and he's speaking to us. I have a vision for you as a church, but you can't get there without maturity. You can't get to maturity without commitment. And if all you ever do is give yourself to convenience, you won't get where I want you to get. That's terrible English, but I think it made sense. The other thought is this, is that until Ephesians 4, 12 through 16, read the whole thing, but verse 13 especially, it says, until we reach, until we all reach the unit, reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, there it is again, mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Basically what this means is this, is if I'm going to be fully devoted, that's what God's vision is for us, is I've got to be fully accountable to other people. Here's what's happening right now, and I'm just going to kind of meddle a little bit. We got a lot of people just doing their own thing. Got a lot of people come to church and they're acting, they're doing, but they're really not committed to one another and unity and faith. In other words, they're just on their own agenda and there's no accountability, there's no transparency, there's no let's walk this thing out together. And because of that, there's no maturity to become a fully devoted follower of Christ is God's vision for us. Last one, and that is to either rekindle or kindle a passion for those far from God. That's interesting because this one here, um, God, I, I don't, how many of you ever been drilled by God? You just got drilled. How many have been knocked upside the head by God? How many have no clue what I'm talking about? joking a couple weeks ago actually the week before christmas i went down uh, to a place in kansas city called the international house of prayer it's it's a 24 hours a day seven days a week 
worship and prayer environment, and I've been going there for years, and it's just something that I go to get away so I can listen. That's what I do. And, and I'm down there, and I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm busy. <laughs> I, I get down to like 10 o'clock, 10.30, and, and I got my computer out, and there's a little table set out, and there's a couple hundred people maybe sitting around, and they got the music going, and I'm, I'm not really paying attention. Uh, and what I usually do when I go to these places, uh, when I go down there, I, I pull out a piece of paper, and I just start writing notes. Anything that I hear from God, you know, and I read scripture, and I'm just kind of reading, and, and I'm typing out this as I'm going, and kind of thinking about different stuff, and asking God, what do you want to do, what do you want to do in us, and, and all of a sudden, I, I'm reading through the story when Jesus rebukes Peter, <laughs> because he, he said, you know, and he, this was the phrase, I didn't put it in my notes, but he said, basically, you don't have the mind of God, you have the mind of men, I'm like, wow, that's kind of weird, so I wrote that down. Then a little bit later, a song came on that they were singing, and the song kind of went, not, not, may everything that I am be yours, not, not mine, but yours. I mean, it's all this idea that somehow my heart would be committed to your heart, so I write that down. You know, and I'm not thinking anything about it, and just kind of going through, and they certainly, then, then about halfway through the day when I was there, uh, one of the worship leaders gets up and starts singing this song, Do You Hear God Speaking? Do You Hear God Speaking? I'm like, I think he's speaking to me. Okay. I mean, there's a couple hundred people in there. I'm like, I want to raise my hand. Yes. <laughs> and, and he's, do you hear God speaking? Do you hear God speaking? And, and as he's, and she's singing this, I can tell that Spirit of God is, is drilling into my heart this idea that he's speaking, that God's about to say something. And I'm kind of, I'm distracted. I'm discouraged. I'm, I'm wondering if it's ever going to happen. I mean, I, you got to know, I'm just like you guys. I, I got a lot of things that are wacky in my head sometimes. And he's going through, she's singing this, and all of a sudden she breaks away from the song of, do you hear God speaking? And starts singing in this spontaneous kind of a word of knowledge, and it's speak, speaking specifically to me. It's going, I know you're discouraged here today, but God wants to do so much more than what you can ever dream possible. And he's got, I'm like, okay, God's speaking, God's speaking. You know, I'm like, whoa. And so that kind of passed. And then I started to go back to my notes, and I started saying, well, God, what do you want to do? You know, it's just kind of that little three-minute window where God was kind of ruffling my feathers, so to speak. What do you want to do? And so I started to write down something that I've been feeling for quite a while that he wants to do, and that is that we would be 500 by Easter, like running 500 people by Easter. That's pretty cool. Just 500 people by Easter. Not 500 at Easter because we'll blow that out of the water, but I mean 500 people at Easter. You know, and God says, no. I'm like, what? No. All of a sudden, they shifted in the song, and they started singing this other part of the song. And the other part of the song is, do you hear the heart of God or the heart of man? Do you hear the heart of God or the heart of man? Do you hear the heart of God or the heart of man? All of a sudden, God just started waving, rolling over me. Do you hear the heart of God or the heart of man? All of a sudden, I started getting a glimpse of what God's heart is for our community and for what he wants to do in Sarpy County. There's 180,000 people here, and God was focusing my thoughts and my mind on 180,000 people. And all of a sudden, just like clear as day as I'm speaking to you, God says, I don't want to reach some of them. I don't want to reach 500 of them. I want to reach all of them. Do you hear the heart of God or the heart of man? All of a sudden, I just began to bawl. I bawled like a little baby for t- 10 minutes, lifted my hands. I was, oh, God. 
I've limited you so much. I've looked upon this situation wondering what you could, what I could do, not considering what you want to do. Not considering the longing of your heart for people that are away from you. Not considering the fact that every person in this entire county you are passionately in love with no matter where they're at in their lives. And that somehow you put us, put me in this place that I might be part of that passion to reach them. Oh God. Oh God. And all of a sudden he rekindled a fire in my own heart that I understood it wasn't 500, it wasn't some of them, it was all of them. The heart of God is for his creation and he burns for that. Do you hear the heart of God for the heart of man? And I said, yes. And I realized something that day. That's God's vision for us. That's God's vision for us. And you're sitting here, I don't know if I well, no, that's God's vision. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you want. That it's, that's God's vision. And so somehow he wants to use us and, and to do that and to be a part of Do you feel the heart of God reaching out to the heart of man? And as I was thinking of through. Uh, a scripture, there was two scriptures that came to my mind, and the first one was Luke 19, 41. It says, and Jesus approaching Jerusalem. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city, and he wept over it. Why do you weep over it? Because the heart of God is for the heart of man. Why do you weep over your neighbor? Because the heart of God is for the heart of man. Why do you weep over that person that you work with? Because the heart of God is for the heart of man. Why does he weep over these things? Because he sees them separated from their intended place in relationship with him. That is God's passion. That is God's heartbeat. And he is calling you and I to a vision that we would see that so clearly. The vision of God. So God is saying, I want to reach them, all of them, not just some of them. Matthew 28, 19 says, go and make disciples of some of them. All of them. Doesn't mean that we're going to become all things to all people, but God has given us a mandate. He's given us a mission. He's given us marching orders. And he said, this is what I want you to do, Southridge. I want you to get passionately involved in what my heart beats for, and that is for those that are far from me. Anything else, anything else is less. Anything else is just going through the motions. I don't want to be a part of that. If that's what we are, I quit right now. I quit. Somebody else can do this. I quit. I don't want to do that. I, I want to be a part of God's heart. Rekindle that heart. Last thing, let me close. Worship team, you kind of make your way up here. I'll, I'll fly through these last little things. So what about through us? And, you know, I was just trying to think of a couple practical things. To be honest with you, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. I just know God wants to do something big, and i got to get ready for it. Right? So here, here's, we, we have this simple thing in our, in our vision and our mission of what we are is discover, grow, and influence. In other words, we want to help people, disconnected, disillusioned people, discover and grow and find a place of influence as fully devoted followers of Christ. That's our, that's our mission. If you break that down, though, discover, this is what I'm thinking, that we need to help people categorically find it. Categorically find it. And here's three categories. Number one is we've got to build bridges 
to invest in relationships with those people that God's in love with. Okay? That's, that's number one. Number two is that we've got to turn up the heat on prayer. I mean, I keep getting the picture of, of us just cranking up this furnace, and the furnace, the gas, the fuel that fuels the flame of what God wants to do in a community is prayer. We're getting ready to go into a 21 days of fasting and prayer. I encourage every one of you to make some kind of commitment to be a part of that, to make it be part of who you are. 21 days of fasting and prayer. And the third category in this categorically find it is that we would get crazy aggressive about inviting people to meet Jesus. If that's what it's all about, if, uh, if Jesus makes all things new, then boy, I need to be committed to that with everything that's in me. Because nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. I, there's no other answer. There's no other solution. All things, everything is new in Jesus. I've got to get crazy about inviting people to hear and to be a part of what he's doing. That's our mission. That's our vision. Second thing is grow, is intentionally live it. Make myself available and accountable. Make myself available and accountable. I've got to intentionally live this thing out. Here's the deal. I cannot possibly physically it's not it's not feasible for me to put you each in a headlock and make you be accountable it's a choice that you make in your own heart i'm going to be accountable i'm going to be accountable i'm going to be accountable for my life i'm going to be accountable what i what i do on the weekend what what i do during the week i'm going to be accountable for it i'm going to be transparent third thing is aggressively bring it We've got to figure out a way to show them Jesus. There's 180,000 people that Jesus is passionately in love with. We've got to figure out how to show them Jesus. Acts of kindness, getting off the bench, not waiting around. I hope Pastor does it, man. He's got a great idea. I hope he gets after it. It's us. <laughs> it's us. And watch out. So, last thing, God's vision in me. What's, what about you? I left a little spot in there for you to fill out three things that you think God wants to do in you personally and three practical steps. I wrote down a f- few of them for me. I, first one is I, I need to find a great place to go bow hunting. Just seeing if you guys are still on, on board with me. Second one was that I want to win my fantasy football league again. Anyway, you guys, okay, you get the point. I'm joking. But I wrote down a few of them for me personally. Here's, here's some of the ones I wrote down. I, I wrote, these are my three that I put down. Get a coach, a life coach, a personal coach. Position myself. The practical step is to position myself so that someone else can speak into my life. I've already done it. I've already started having conversations and interacting with people so that I, that can happen. Practical step. Here's another one. Is that I want to invest in friendships. Naturally, I am an introvert to the max. I, I'm perfect. I probably, and by the way, I'm, this isn't like a mountain man thing. I just got lazy. I didn't stay for a while. But I'm okay, I think, to live for the most part of my life as a mountain man in Colorado and never see a person the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, I know that's probably not God's will. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, no, anyway. And so what I'm, I realized, God, you got, I, I need to get out. I need some help. I need you to do something new in me. So I need to spend more time with people. I spend more time listening. I need to invest in relationships. It's the hardest thing I do. Third one I put down for myself, and this one might shock you. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe you're like, finally, is it that I would develop as a speaker. 
that I would finally get to the point where I feel comfortable every week in what I'm doing up here, that I would adjust, change, and refocus. Those are list practical, and I'm going to become a student of being a speaker. So those are some of mine, so I just encourage you to write those down. Last thing is this, is that maybe you're here and it's 2012, and, and I'm talking about this whole new vision thing and new all that, and you realize, man, i got a lot of junk. The past thing is still really in control not even remotely Jesus. Jesus wants to give you a brand new heart, a brand new start. There's a verse of scripture, and I, I love it because it fits this. I think we'll probably use it as one of our texts for one of these weeks. Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, I will give you a new heart. This is God speaking. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And really, what that simply means is this, is maybe right now, you're saying, God, I'd like to trade in what I have for what you have. God, I'm tired of doing it my way. I'm tired of going through this whole thing of trying to make it happen when really the only way it can happen is been by me trusting and surrendering my life to you, Jesus, and you forgiving me for all the stupid I've been a part of. That's me. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You're saying today, Pastor, I, I need a new heart. I, I need a new spirit. I've, I've let the old and the old attitudes, the old purposes, the old sin control me. And I need what Jesus only can give me today. That's me. Would you just wave your hand at me? Yeah, amen. Amen. Lord, I pray for all those that have raised their hands right now that said, Lord, would you please give me a new heart, a new spirit? Would you please take away the stony and the hard heart that I've had for so long and replace it with a new spirit and a new heart that only you can give me? Lord, I trust you. I, I surrender to you. I yield to you. May you be everything to me. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name, amen.